Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today, we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he really likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Hi. And you know what? We've been enjoying preparing for this. We didn't know we were doing that. But we've actually been exemplifying what we're talking about today, is how to take difficulties in our lives and the lives of others we care about um, and take from that and actually make it into something constructive and positive in helping others as well as helping ourselves. We were saying, talking today about our podcast. This is our 60th podcast. And i got to tell you, it doesn't feel like it. We love every one of them. And this is an opportunity for us to take the things that we've been through, the, the challenges that we've been meeting and are coming at us every day, and boy, there are, there are a lot. And what's really astounding is we get through them and we're able, able to learn from them and then translate that in this podcast to help other people people who are going through similar kinds of difficulties or have similar kinds of patterns of triggering or difficulty. Of course, our heart is with those that are caregivers. And that caregivers can include first responders, firemen, police, um, doctors, nurses, uh, counselors, you name it. But there's a, there are a certain kind of person that really is a, a, is a, a a gift to that profession and those are the ones that have these empathic type of persons they're sensitive now you know i talk about first responders they're my favorite personally um they're a little bit more like i am and that is they don't look like they're the most sensitive people at times they look pretty tough truth is they're astoundingly sensitive caring people and they wouldn't do the kind of work they do cops you know look at it what look what they have to go through and yet so many that we know really care about people a lot so we know that we're talking about a very special kind of calling in your life and that has to do with the being a caregiver someone that comes alongside others that are in real difficult adversity facing life death dying traumas and we come and we help them we come alongside them we take care of them we guide them we extricate them for like a first responder firefighter uh, we do it at the, at our institute um, we deal with military uh, navy seals were great at that they as tough as they are the ones that i know the most caring people you ever saw and they put their lives on the line to help other people they're amazing heroes uh, i know plenty of other tough guys and tough women too same thing they are true caregivers, and their calling is to deal with adversity and help other people through it. These aren't the folks, and I'm not one of them either, that run away from difficulties and struggles and pain. They go the other way. They, they go where the need is, and they don't run away. They don't back away. They don't bury your head in the sand. They don't come up with denial and excuses. They're right there. To, to, to do whatever needs to be done. 
um, that's a very unique, extraordinary calling. And yet I know so many people that do it. This show is for those folks. So we can offer them encouragement and hope because they go through a lot. One, one of the other things we can offer them, and we know means a lot to them, is a, a sense of genuineness and transparency. Uh, as you said at the beginning, we are going through difficult times, mm -hmm. adversity ourselves. And what you have done throughout your career, and uh, right up to the present, is to learn from, move through the difficult times that have come into your life, and then use those experiences and that growth to help other people who are in those situations themselves. And the power of what you're able to do is because you can do it in a genuine, transparent way. And that has been one of the key things that we have found in the past in working with first responders in the military is they have big you-know-what detectors. If you're not real, if you haven't been there and you try to tell them that you have, they shut the door. You have no way to help them. Well, we found out with the Navy SEALs. I don't know about all of them, but they were sure like that instantly. But that's part of the survival training, too, and their yeah. survival instincts, yeah. Yeah, but no, this is, this is, I think that's part of our podcast value, too, is I think people listening can hear that we are talking about things that we really do know and have gone through and that we want to offer this to the we, people. That's right. We don't want to hemorrhage our own pain uh, into the broadcast and, and contaminate what we want to offer others, but we don't want you to... We're not that objective, and we're not that cut off and removed as many of the professions, and I used to be this way too, do it. I don't believe in that, and, and I haven't for a long time, but I certainly... I'm not there anymore at all. And I want to, I just want to stop for a moment to say that I think that as we were preparing for today, I thought making this, you know, really understandable, the difference between um, the two extremes of shutting down during hard times and not feeling those emotions and what you're calling hemorrhaging them, that there is something in between. And we want to make that very clear to uh, everybody listening today, just what we're talking about. We're not talking about shutting down. We're not talking about hemorrhaging your emotions all over the place. What is it we're talking about? We This is, okay. One of the things we've done is uh, on other episodes, we've talked about pushing the pause button. Remember that? The on button is like being completely wide open. And, you know, in intimate relationships, that's fine. I mean, you can do that. Uh, pushing the totally off button is it, where it's appropriate is when it's a dangerous situation or threatening the situation. That's appropriate. Shut down and protect yourself. But the truth of the matter is what we're talking about is neither one of those things. We're talking about pushing the pause button. That doesn't mean you're not feeling what's going on. It means that whatever's being brought up in you or triggered we've talked about that too within you you have to be able to recognize that who you are and what the burdens are that you carry your damage your wounds your old behaviors you have to know your body and how it feels it's you have to know yourself because one of the things that you've got to recognize is there's a time and a place for that and it may not be when you're in there helping somebody who's really in need of care caregivers uh, come alongside those that are dying and sick. Um, first responders get right in there where there's dangerous, traumatic situations, nurses and doctors. We have to put our own pain, our own, and whatever's being brought up by what we're involved in, we got to be able to put it aside, here's the key, temporarily. And then we have to be able to take care of that later. 
And what that may mean is what we do at the Institute and work that I've developed is certainly develop ways to, because your body is the reservoir for holding all of that emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual uh, information. It's in your body. So you've got to recognize how that affects you, how, what it feels like. You don't have, you can't always get into it at the time, but you'll feel it. But later on, You've got to know that what you're feeling needs to be taken care of. Um, we're strong believers in that, helping people to remain and to be, stay quite resilient and prevent burnout. And um, where compassion fatigue turns into burnout because people are allowing this th- these exhaustive experiences to continue to trigger them, but they don't deal with them. They just bury them and it has a cumulative effect to the point where eventually they get resentful, bitter, uh, negative, um, they begin to undermine their work and their relationships. Uh, we talked about that today. And all teams, I want to say this, we all have faced this. We've all seen it with some of our colleagues and teammates. This isn't like the most unique thing. We're not talking about bad people. No. We're talking about sometimes people aren't aware of what's been brought up. And never mind pushing a pause button, they're completely disconnected. And then they begin to react in a very negative way or a very undermining way. And we, on a good, hardworking team of caregivers of one time, you can't afford that. So it's up to the team to help that person become aware of what's happened and how they're reacting and try to get, put them on a more positive course of encouragement and hope again. That doesn't mean they're not going to go through all the emotional pain they're in. Um, they will, and they have to. But they first have to be aware that they're in emotional pain or that they've fallen back into an old pattern of behavior from a past trauma that was not very constructive then and it's not now. So they have to be aware because they've got to make different choices at that point. That they've got to come into the present. They've got to take responsibility because they have a very important job to do every day. And that's helping others who can't help themselves. Um, so we can't afford that indulgence for very long. A good team that cares will nurture, love, and support each other, but they'll have a strength about it. There'll be a tough love approach, too. Um, and when you get some of our teammates and all of us have seen this, and all of a sudden we're up against all kinds of barriers, and these folks are going haywire, and they're fighting us. Sometimes it takes tough love to break those barriers down and go, hey, this is what you're doing and how it's affecting you. And it's, you're going to affect us. Of course, we have to have each other's backs. And when you do this, that's a negative vulnerability that we can't afford. We've got to be able to depend on each other. And all of a sudden, you're becoming pretty undependable. So we all can, that can happen to any of us, some more than others. Um, but it's something that we all have to be willing to face. The other part is what Jenny mentioned earlier, and that it takes a transparency and an openness it leads to healing it leads to processing and getting through things without i'm not talking about hemorrhaging all over everybody because that doesn't even lead to anything healing i'm talking about being open and trusting and um and not hiding and being concerned about what other people think at the time and and all of a sudden putting preconditions on everything you do and everything other people do because then there's a cascade of negativity and undermining that begins to happen we're the kinds of work that you can't, and I say first responders are there, firefighters are there, cops are there. We can't afford that. We've got to make sure it's taken care of um, and keep our teams and our members reliable 
And that takes a transparency and an openness and a trust. You know, I, th I feel like we have covered so much in our first segment here. I just want to say if you're a little breathless out there listening, we did really go through this. And we're going to, I'd like to, when we come back, slow down just a little bit and, and take us, go through this just a bit more slowly and maybe with a little bit more of a practical example to go through what we're talking about. Sounds good. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Today, we are talking specifically about a tremendous calling uh, that we have the greatest respect for, and that is uh, first responders, caregivers, and by that we mean uh, our firefighters, police, um, medical personnel, uh, EMTs, uh, professional caregivers, uh, people who deal with adversity on behalf of others in need mm -hmm. uh, as part of their daily work. And we're talking about the, uh, the pitfalls that can happen when intense experiences, intense stress, intense emotional experiences that, that uh, first responders and caregivers encounter in their work, if those intense experiences don't get worked through, those emotions don't get worked through, how can that undermine uh, not only their effectiveness and their health and their relationships, but everything that they're going through? We uh, have that experience ourselves, and we want to share it, and uh, we want to just kind of go through some of this with us. Okay. Let's take it a step back. I really like what you're doing because I have... I'm pretty turned on about the information we're talking about. We have had a rough week. I have, you have. Very. Um, our team members have, other people we know have. People we care deeply about. That's right. So we, and we're, we're helping a lot of people. So yeah. yes, that's, that's a load. But let's back up for a minute about something. And, uh, and that is, um, we're, we're talking about what can go wrong, but what we're not really, and and the wrong path or the mistaken path that can happen and it can happen to anybody I guess some people more than others but let's go back to something about what are one of the what are what is one of the greatest um, hurdles for anyone who's a caregiver and I mean any of the things that we've talked about um, what are one of the biggest hurdles I'll tell you what it is it's not our good intentions it's not our training um, those all are very important to a point. But when you're on the front lines and you're helping people in such incredible distress, who are fighting life, death, and dying, and endangerments of all kinds, um, it takes a toll on us as caregivers. Um, if we're empaths, and we are, and we know a lot of other empaths that are cops, that are we know a lot of them because we have a big network all over the country, and that includes Navy SEAL friends, some of the toughest military we know. They're all empaths. Here's the problem. We absorb and take on a lot of what we're... We're, we're kind of a sponge. Um, we, uh, 
take on the energy of the situation, of the person we're dealing with, the persons, it affects us. After a while, it builds up. Um, just think about the most current thing, that the wildfires in Australia that are going, I thought it was bad here. It's a nightmare over there. And we have 300 firefighters from the United States going over. Are they now helping? At least. Yeah. Look at the shape of what's happening. Yeah. It's a nightmare, literally. And think about these folks go right into the fires, go right into saving the animals and saving people. They're amazing, They're very courageous. And they are seeing devastation all around them. Mm -hmm. And it's not stopping, right? We had that happen here with the uh, campfire, right? It's more than once, yes. 219,000 acre fire. We've had two. Well, you know, you see so much, but when you're in the midst of it, whether you see it or not, you're there to help others. You're there to deal with people and, and many times wild animals like in Australia. In such incredible, terrifying distress, you're there to help people who are dying and sick. Um, you're, that, for caregivers are there every day. We have to bring hope. We've got to bring help. We've got to bring a nurturing, nourishing, loving, helpful, skillful self to these situations, to these folks. We're giving out so much positive energy, and I don't mean the kind that's just Pollyannish off the top of it. We're doing it. This isn't talk. This is living it and doing it, and it's a way of life. For us, it's a profession, and it's personal as well. So is it for most of the people we know. And yet, one of the things that we haven't really taken into consideration, at least in this broadcast, is the effect that it has on the caregivers. Yeah. I'll tell you what it does. It exhausts us. It breaks us down. And even if we went in there in a kind of like with a, 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 a full load of energy and intention and capability and skill, eventually it wears down. I mean, we're dealing with situations that are so difficult. They're the extraordinary difficulties. It's a conditional life, but it's mm -hmm. not what you see every day. No. We do. No, and we are human. Uh-huh. And all these caregivers, as well-trained as they are, are human. So here's the thing we find. It reduces us to our own vulnerabilities. And it puts us up against what? Feeling powerless eventually. We come up against such difficult, extraordinary traumatic situations and heartbreak that it puts us, it, it, we want to do something. Most of us have these, we want it, we're there to do good. Mm -hmm. We're there to offer caring, nurturing, skills, love, whatever it takes. And guess what? In the situations we face, doesn't always work. Can't always do it. And we reach a point of feeling, I don't know what else to do. I feel I'm beside, I, you get beside yourself. I wish I could do more. I don't know what else to do. It's mm -hmm. so overpowering mm -hmm. and so consistent. Mm -hmm. And if you're in it as a profession and as a person, it stays that way because that's the way we work and live. What do you think that does after a while? It puts throws us back on ourselves. And we realize we're ca we've absorbed some of the despair and the discouragement and the sorrow and the anger and the frustration and the loss and the fearfulness. We absorb it. Yeah. And it's not ours only. We've, we've absorbed theirs too. Some of theirs too. And that begins to take a toll. Yes. If we're not aware and knowing of, uh, know ourselves. We reach a point where we we're up against our own limits. We can't go any further. We don't have any surplus left, and we don't know what to do. It makes us come to the place of 
this feeling of a powerlessness. And I don't know about you, I hate it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I can't stand how it feels, not just for myself, but for others too. And then we have to begin to look at ourselves. The key at that point, when you reach that place of feeling powerless, the key is where do you go from there? You have a choice. And I think that that's what you're... That's what we're getting to here. Well, yeah. And the journey is going to involve working through some very intense emotions and our own agonies. We wrote we, in our last episode, there was a Jewish reflections on more grief. And boy, did they describe it in the most agonizing, accurate terms. Well, we're not going to, oh no, as, care, as caregivers, as first responders, we're going to go through our own emotions on our own agony well we need our, to not everybody does not everybody's willing to face it that's right that's what i mean by choice here i want to make clear that this is a choice to work, go ahead and work through them and that it is a choice for health and hope there it is a choice and here's what's very important for caregivers of all kinds they better know that there's a choice but they've got a responsibility and that is they've got to know their own pain, their own shortcomings, their own limitations, their own histories, their own bodies. They've got to know it. They've got to know what they're bringing into the situation and that that will eventually be exposed to, to themselves. And if they, don't, if they choose wrong, it's going to affect other people plenty. Um, they've got to know that they have a responsibility to face it and work it through and get help. Um, we all need that. We all need that. Um, if if you don't, you will begin to see old reactions from old pain will begin to take over. And that leads eventually to people becoming resentful and cynical and bitter and um, fearful, very mm -hmm. fearful. Yeah. And all the reactions running away, burying their head in the sand, beginning to undermine the good work that they've done. And um, instead of being nourishing and nurturing and and contributing, they begin to get to become liabilities themselves. For a team, it's important to know that's happening for someone. So we gotta, you gotta support them. You gotta find a way to turn it around. That's where transparency is so important because it's the transparency and the openness to the truth that leads to the healing. It doesn't mean you're going to transcend it and go around it. It means you're going to go through whatever you got to go through. But instead of being destroyed or overwhelmed or overloaded which that feels like it feels like that time you're going to get through it and you're going to be able to actually learn from what you've gone through so you can come back in better shape than you were before because you've you've learned from your own pain you've learned from what you've gone through that it adds to our sense of purpose and it adds to our sense of ability and it actually gives us a sense of energized hope that even though we're facing the most extraordinarily difficult circumstances in people's lives, we can have hope. We can bring nourishment and love and healing as true human beings. And I think that that's a key. I think all first responders of all are, we're real human beings, flawed, broken. Um, we've all had our own, we all have our own difficulties. But as, as, as a calling, they're the most fantastic people and all of these the firefighters I know, the first responders I know, um, some of the doctors and nurses that I work with, and I know some really good ones. 
Um, I also know people that shouldn't be first responders, shouldn't be nurses, shouldn't be doctors, shouldn't be lots of things because they had good intentions, but they didn't have the willingness to take the responsibility of what they were going to have to go through to come out the other side. And I know, and I've seen it, where too many of them fell up and it doesn't work out. But I know so many that do work out, and they are gifts. How much of a gift? The littlest, when they're at your side and you're going through something difficult, and they just offer you some kind of support and love and nurturing that's appropriate for the situation, it means everything. It is a gift. Those people understand. Those are the caregivers, the nurses, the doctors, the the firefighters, the cops. We know so many cops that are caregivers. There is, they care a lot about folks. They really do. Um, we do. And we are caregivers. We have teams of caregivers. We work with trauma, recovery from trauma. That's our calling and our, and our profession. Uh, and it goes so far beyond clinical. Because what we've really had to become is fellow human beings on a journey with other f people that are going through great difficulty. Um, that's going to force us to do something else, too. We, too, someday are going to need other people to help us. We're mortal humans, too. So none of us are the ultimate strongman in Hercules, although I used to think I was. It's not. We're none of us are. But we have to. Coming to that's not easy. I got to tell you, I mean, everybody says how strong I am. Inside, I'm saying, are they kidding? I feel so broken and devastated by what I've seen and what I've, my heart is breaking. And yet, I've been through it so many times to know you're going to go through it. You'll have yourself a good, whatever, good cry, whatever. And you know what? You'll come out. It's amazing to me because I've done it for so many years. And I come out, and it's almost like I've taken a, a, a cleansing, a bath. And got it out, and I'm ready to come back to the front lines. And that's where I want to be. And um, I don't want a break. I just want to be restored and renewed because I gain so much from what I do. I know lots of people like me. Mm -hmm. I also know that not everybody's like that. And so I have to have, find a habit to have a, an empathy. This is my weak point, everybody. I don't. So forgive me. When it's for the folks that run away when they see this, Peter is not the most empathetic person to come alongside them. I usually go, where the heck are you going? Look what has to be done now. Stick around. And I can't always stop him. It's like trying to stop a freight train. I know what that's like, too. Am I the best person to work for folks like that? Probably not, because I wasn't like that. We do have people on our teams that used to be like that, and they're not anymore. And you know what's amazing? They have an empathy and an understanding that I don't. So when they speak from the place of turning their lives around to not be deniers and runners and um, uh, avoiders, they know what they're talking about because they've had to turn their entire life around. And they know the price they paid before they finally did it. So when Peter opens his mouth, it's not going to come out so sweetly sometimes. And that's when I, get, I do get a little rough. And because I'm always appalled when I see somebody do that in the face of overwhelming difficulties. I'm one of the people who go, stick around. We need you. Hang in there. You know, we want you to, you know, cover our back like we cover you. We need that right now. And I, sometimes I've not been able to stop folks like that. Um, 
and I have it in my own family, I, if there are members like that, and it still astounds me. I, my brain isn't set, isn't doesn't have that program in it, so I don't relate. But other people do. Jenny knows how to talk to them. I do, I do, and maybe we'll do it after our break. You're going to talk to them. Maybe. Okay, then Jenny will take over because I'm not that good at this one. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We're talking today about caregivers, first responders, people who, as they're part of their everyday way of working and serving, are uh, in the very most difficult situations, helping people who might be even fighting for life. Uh, we were talking about the firefighters in Australia. Part of this uh, calling is to uh, bring hope and help and nurture to people who are hurting and need help. Uh, it's an extraordinary reality and because caregivers and first responders are so often empaths, caring people, they end up taking on part of the distress and the difficult emotions of the people they're helping and they have their own uh, difficult emotions. The key here is that to not let that take them toll on them, to know themselves and know how they respond in these types of situations so that they will uh, not let the people counting on them down and not take themselves down. Uh, Peter, what you stressed in our last segment about this was how important it is to be transparent. It's part of it, And yeah. uh, to, it's needed for healing. I want to ask you about that and, and how um, you, it's essential not to let your team down, not to run away, as you were saying before our break. But let me, just, let me just ask my question here. Part of what's required to me uh, for transparency and genuineness and being able to work through this is honesty. And for that, you need a safe space. One of the things that I think we see in the first responder community is that there isn't always a safe space for people to feel overwhelming emotion. They can become labeled as being um, a liability to the team. Yeah. And I think we're also in this getting back to that difference between being shut down and hemorrhaging and where is it in between that is the healthy response. Yeah. Yes. The, so and can that, we can we go go into that a bit? Yes, I. Yeah, I want to preface this by saying that to be a first responder or to be a frontline worker, like we're talking about, is an extraordinary calling. And these are the folks generally that do not run from these difficulties. They, no, they go don't. into them like I do, and more. Um, so they're doing something that most of us don't do and would rather run away no, and well, and don't get involved in. But one thing they do do, and we have seen, is that they will shut down. Yeah. And they will not run away physically from the job, but they will run away from themselves or their emotions or the things that are going on inside. And that's a setup for f trouble. I've seen it so many times with good teams and good people, um, particularly team leaders start getting firefighters, get concerned about, this person is going to become a liability. We're not going to depend on them. They become too vulnerable. 
<clears throat> and uh, unreliable when we need them and we can't afford that. That's somewhat legitimate, by the way. Um, because well, there's a, re a reality there. There's there a, is a reality there. You've got to be able to depend on these folks. You do, and you've got to know that the person who's with you is going to have your back, and they're going to, as you had said earlier, be able to push the pause button. Um, and that, But again, as you stressed before, after you push the pause button, that is just temporary. You must come back. Well, we want, the, we want, we want frontline caregivers of all kinds to have resilience and realize there's hope and there's strengthening that comes by from going through this. Um, what we are saying is the attitude of, I can tough it out and I don't have to deal with anything afterwards. There's the first liability. There's a lack of transparency and genuineness and it's the tough, tough guy. And I know women that are incredible women that do this, they have it. And I've seen what happens. They start drinking a lot, doing drugs. They have trouble at home. The divorce rate, I think, is about 70%. Um, so... And they have a lot of conflicts within the team. They don't show up. They become unreliable. So that does happen. But I, I got to say, overall, um, to be a first responder, to be a caregiver, um, to do that work in the ER rooms and, and the nurses and doctors and what they go through, it, it, it's a tough, it's a tough, extraordinary calling to be part of. I have seen enough burnouts though. And they become a liability also to the people they're helping. And I'm just thinking about an ER. Uh, I have one friend who's a nurse. We call him Big Steve. He looks like Mr. Clean. He's the best nurse I ever saw. He's great. But you got to see him. He's muscle-bound. He looks like Mr. America. What an incredible nurse. But what a difficult job. I've been there. Oh, in the emergency room? And I've watched. Boy. And I've also watched certain doctors who I know do the work that are incredible. And I've seen others that are the worst people. They should never be there. If they were ever good, they lost their effectiveness, and they become a liability. They become insensitive. They actually make things more difficult for folks in distress. I don't do well with those folks, those doctors and nurses like that. Um, I tend to be a little bit more confrontive to them if I see them, and if, if it's my, if it's something we're dealing with, I advocate very fast, and get them to stop, um, and get them to realize what they're doing, and it's not okay. And if they got a problem, they better go deal with it someplace else. But they're hurting the people they're supposed to be helping. That does happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's you'll see it in the professions, but I think there's an avenue to not let to not have to have that happen. I'll be honest with you. We're invested in training people and caring for them and helping them recover from the effects of the work they're going to, that they do, the life they're dealing with, their own families and loved ones like I do, as well as helping others. I think there's a way of finding hope and resilience through hell and back. And I consider the kind of work we're talking about at times pure hell. And people are going through hellish horrible times and we've got to be there to help them brutal job brutal calling and and we've been talking we started by talking about what is so necessary <coughs> to be uh aware of yourself and honest about the things that are happening inside with the emotions that are building up and uh what are your patterns what are the things that you tend to do when you're under stress and and not handling it well or what did you do in the past when you're under stress and that wound that you carry from your own past the chances of it getting reignited in these situations is very high 
Um, it, it can happen to any of us. Um, if we have, if we're dealing with death, traumatic death or, or natural death, what do you think it's going to make us look at? It's going to make us remember people we've lost that we love. It's going to make us look at our own mortality. And I don't mean reflect on it philosophically. I mean it's in our face. And so is our our own limitations become right up in our face too. So it forces us to face certain realities that a lot of people would reflect on and pontificate about or philosophize about or avoid, and they can get away with it, but not with this kind of work. It's all in your face. So it brings out the best in us. It also brings out our difficulties and our pain and weakness. The transparency, the openness, the genuineness is what helps us work it through. Understanding our bodies and that it's what it, this does to our bodies and how to find the kind of help that we, I'll tell you, we do some of the really good work, but I know plenty of other people that do too, to help people restore their bodies when they've taken on and been affected by so much of this distress. And it takes a toll. You've stressed so many times how important it is to be aware of the sensations in your body in times of stress, that we all have individual kind of patterns uh, of right. the way we, our bodies tend to carry uh, different emotions. Absolutely. One of the, I think one of the most destructive and I want to say this, I think what happens when people don't deal with things um, and how they affect them, they begin to build up resentment and anger and rage. And eventually it's going to come out and it's going to be destructive because it hasn't been dealt with effectively. But I think people need to understand when it begins to happen, how to deal with it and recognize it before it goes too far and has this very building up, built up cumulative effect. I mean, there are things that are... Uh, absolute red flags about you're starting to build up anger you may be ex taking on the frustration and anger of someone you're helping who knows it may be your own but your jaw begins to get tight the, your heart beats faster you begin to feel that adrenalized feeling and there's an intensity physically that you've got to begin to recognize your gut that gets tight um, you're ready to go into an action that isn't always normal aggressive assertive action it's it can be rage. It can be very destructive. But if you deal with it and you know yourself, that's not what happens. You know, okay, so I've taken it on, so I have angry past. I do. But I know how to deal with it. I know what it feels like. Do I like it? Of course not. Do I know if I don't deal with it what it can do? If I'm afraid of anything, it's that. Because I know my, if I use myself as an example, I know how frightening I could be. I was. And when I see it come, I don't like that. I want to be assertive. I want to be engaged and not run away. But when I get a buildup, a pent-up pent distress and anger and rage, oh, feeling powerless or impotent in a difficult situation, I've got to deal with that and not let it keep building or my body's going to be breaking down. I'm going to physically get ill. My blood pressure is going to go up. People get strokes. Lots of things happen. Do I want? Hell no, I don't. But I've seen so many caregivers, that's what happens. Their bodies break down because they don't recognize the red flags, that, how they're absorbing this and how it's starting to affect their body. So they, they feel they have to hold it down and not get into it. But they don't mean put the, the, push the pause button. They mean bury, bury it. Mm -hmm. And that's deadly. Mm -hmm. And caregivers of all kinds can't afford that on a long-term basis. 
can they do they have to do it at times in very dire difficult situations temporarily, temporarily it's a must you got to push that pause button but don't deceive yourselves into believing that it's forever you've got to get to it if you don't it's going to get you and you're not going to be the person you wanted to be anymore so we're, there are ways to deal with this. And actually, you grow from it. You become much wiser and much more sensitive and tuned in. If you're dealing with someone who's enraged, not you, you can feel the impact on you and you can read your own body and read the, and know this isn't, that's, that's not who I am and how I am. We're picking up this person is ready to explode or they're dangerous or whatever. And we've got to be prepared for that. So our intuitive instincts are are lit up without our going into our own uh, manifestations of rage and realize that's not us. That's not the way I, that's not how I manifest it. I'm picking up this person's ready to blow. So we're reading, you got to know yourself to be able to read the other person. Otherwise, you can get pretty contaminated and confusing. We've seen that happen. Um, we don't want that. But you've got to have those intuitive abilities pretty clear. So you better know yourself. You better know what your limitations are or, or your weaknesses or damage. That doesn't mean you can't do a good job. It just means be aware because you're going to be dealing with very damaging, destructive, overwhelming difficulties for your work, for your calling in life. And you've got to, it forces you to be a genuine, aware, transparent person and to be mindful. So it forces you to grow. You either grow or you burn out. That's your choices. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, in our last segment, we were talking about um, the importance for uh, first responders and caregivers to know themselves and to have a sense and develop an awareness of the, uh, the difficult emotions that they take on in the course of their work, not only from the people that they are helping, but their own, which can come up. Mm -hmm. And uh, transparency, honesty, uh, a willingness to work things through, mm -hmm. and also a, a sensitivity to body sensations, um, a, a familiarity with your patterns uh, for emotion. When you're angry, what does your body feel like? When you're scared, what does your body feel like? Mm -hmm. And that that can give you a heads up that I've got to start dealing with this or it's going to build up and cause problems. That's right. That can take on an people who are aggressive like myself, or it can be people like Jenny who's very strong, but hers is more passive. But let me tell you, we get the message when she's angry, <laughs> and she doesn't have to say a word. So it may manifest itself. Either way can be destructive. But we have to know that about ourselves, and then we got to deal with it. That's our job. That's our responsibility. This is the kind of calling in life that forces the issue for you to grow to work out new ways to cope and to overcome that you didn't even know about before. You may think the things you learned before to be resilient that worked in the past will work again. Oh no, this is the kind of thing that forces you to continue to move forward 
and not necessarily be able to rely on old coping mechanisms because what we've discovered is they don't always work. What worked before doesn't work this time. So it, you have to transform your coping mechanisms into new strategies. It continues, we continue to grow. We continue, if we want to do good work and we want to be a blessing to others and thus become a blessing to ourselves too, we've got to grow. We've got to face these things with hope. Uh, hope is very important. There is hope. You can tell the way we're talking about it today. But we're not talking about something where you're going to be able to avoid the impact of this very difficult kind of work. We're going to feel it emotionally too, and we're going to have to take time to get that out of our bodies and the effects of it on our body. I, I've been doing it for my whole professional career, and I chose a, a PhD many... <laughs> God, close to 50 years ago, um, that would be not just uh, clinical analysis, and I don't do that anymore, uh, but really I realized how important the body was and that the body holds so much uh, of this pain and this agony, and it stores it, and it can cause tremendous trouble and damage. So um, I've been in this for a long time. I don't sit there and, and act like a clinician anymore. It's part of my history is part of who I am, but there's so much more because my feel at this point is applying it as a human being to a fellow human being in need. And that means I'm going to see my own vulnerabilities too. And I love that experience so much more than when I was a professional clinician only. And I encourage other clinicians not to sit and listen to this work and criticize it or analyze it. But to, rec to come to um, a recognition of your own need to be vulnerable, to step out of your roles and space of safety that you've created, and to realize you've got to step out. You're dealing with human beings, and guess what? You're a human being too. Now, I know there's people out there that just don't buy that. There's a lot of people in the medical profession are trained, it's trained out of them. I never believed in it. Um, I, I certainly don't now. I think it's fine to, to feel what's going on, just not to contaminate the work and hemorrhage into it. But there's another approach. The, I think the more, and this is just my opinion, it's not totally accurate, I know that. But my observations for so much training of medical people is, in many ways, they are taught to keep themselves removed from the work they're doing because if, if they don't, they'll lose their effectiveness and they won't be able to stay resilient. It's a fallacy. It's a real good way, in fact, to lose your resiliency and lose a good part of your humanity. And as far as I'm concerned, that's an enormous loss. I think, I think one other thing that, that you have <coughs> seen going on, not only that, that highly technical training, and it is that the Lone Ranger uh, sitting there in an office by themselves, and mm. and you mm. wanted to go beyond that, and you created a team, mm -hmm. and you saw the value of accountability and support and encouragement as being part of a team. Mm. And I would like, in the time we have left, I think it might be a good idea to talk a little bit about how a team can help each other uh, face the things that are going on, help them have some awareness if they aren't aware of what's going on with them, and uh, bring about uh, some some chance for someone to turn around or encourage them to keep going in the right direction. Okay. 
I'm listening to you, and I'm going, well, what are your thoughts on that? You're an expert on this, and I don't mean that in an egotistic. I know you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do. So yeah. what's, what are some of your thoughts on it? I'm, I'd love to know. I do know Jenny, and I work with her, and we have a team, and she's excellent. But I know she's got her own thoughts, and I'd like to, instead of hear myself talk so much, I'd like to hear what she has to say, too. What's some of her thoughts on that? You're going to just sit there and interview me? No. That's not going to work. No. No, no. I want to. What's what? No. So, what's your thinking on that? Well, the 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 team is a wonderful thing, and a challenge at the same time. Um, team, uh, the good team, knows us, and the one thing we've talked about in our podcast is when we are very emotional, triggered, under stress, we lose perspective about who we are and where we are. We can be no longer in the present. And one of the very powerful things a team does, a good team, is helps people, helps another team member who's lost perspective, lost a sense of who they are or where they are, uh, bring them back to reality and the present. Uh, help them remember uh, what they are capable of, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Uh, to also go, like you said before, we're counting on you. Mm -hmm. We're counting on you to have our back. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not the kind of command and dominate uh, type of approach. It's the, it's the team. It's the, uh, the chance to bring people along, to grow, to become the people that they're meant to be. Uh, the, the compassion with the positive challenge that, that might be needed and to get that balance right. It's not always easy. It's a, well, none, nothing we're talking about is easy. It's not easy. No, this is a hard, this is a very difficult kind of challenging life calling, um, whether it's personal, it's even harder, or professional. But you know, I was, I was just thinking, well, you know, one of the other things is you better know your team members. And that means not just the good stuff they're capable of. You got to know their, their blind spots, too. You got to know where they struggle or what their histories are like and what's the, the wounds that it's left. That really helps because you don't have to sit there and condemn them and judge them. You just got to know them that you can begin to recognize, oh, I know what that is. And if that, and here's what it begins to look like, a cascade of behaviors and defenses that are based on old fears and self-doubt, um, whatever it is. And at one point, it's a point in their life that where they were, traumatized or damaged or whatever and a lot of first responders have very painful past but that's what gives them empathy one of the things but when you know that about them and you begin to see the cascade you don't let it carry over and affect the entire team you redirect it to where it belongs with compassion and begin to set in place something that's going to help them and support them become aware of what's happening what the pattern looks like and what they're going to need, they need to do something about it because it's going to go, it's going to go south. It's not going to go work. It's not going to be good for anybody. Um, and we, everybody needs to be on the same page. We're all working, moving forward. And whatever challenges come at us, we have to be ready to, to take them on. That if someone doesn't deal with that, they're not going to be at our side. They're going to become a, a drain and a liability themselves. And let me tell you, in this work, if you've ever been sensitive about anything, it's your energy. You've got to have your energy ready to be able to respond to people when they're really in trouble. 
And if you don't, and you're distracted by a teammate or someone who's draining you, because that's unacceptable. That needs that 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 drain has to be shut down and straightened out. Now, sometimes when you're in the midst of difficulty, the best you can do is just make them aware of it and get them to stop then. And sometimes you do have to be a little stronger about it. But later on, it calls for some compassion, empathy, and empathy, and some redirection, and some skills. We take care of our own. We help our own staff. We help our own teams. And it's the best, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best I've seen um, because there's such a resilience to everybody. And we're imperfect people. And yet, my gosh, what we're able to face and move forward on as a team with very little turnover is astounding compared to what I hear. Um, we know that agency, I'm just thinking of some of the, the, the percentages when we talk about Agencies for caregivers, turnover rates seventy percent a year. Yeah, or more. Or, right. or more. Right. And I look at that and go, "You're you're you're kidding. That's acceptable to you." And it wouldn't be to us. Our turnover rate is zilch. And I heard that, and it's like, "Well, we can get ours down to fifty or fifty-five percent." Go, you are kidding. Yeah. That's extremely high. You have well, we give them more money, and well, certainly not helping. Because they're still burning out. They're still, there's not that, that team effort. There's not that support that they need. They're not getting what they need to, to really contribute. Um, and that keeps you constantly looking for new people to fill in the void. To me, that's energy taken away from what really needs to be done anyway. So I look at things like that and I go, that's for, we have to pay attention to what it's going to take to preserve our team, to preserve our team members, to be caring. Uh, to let down together, to know each other's faults and to hang in there with each other. Um, and also to p encourage people to move through it, to do what they have to do um, to move through it. Not to drink themselves to death or do drugs or, uh, you know, do damage to their personal lives. That's not it. And yet that's very common. And the other is the team has got to be a safe place. Yes. Uh -huh. For people who, to let down and not and to not feel that they're going to be judged, condemned, and and abandoned or rejected they got to know they can do that and they're going to get the support they need to pull through and come through the other side um, even sometimes to pull people off the front lines and we've done we've done that many times to go you know what you're resonating you're hurting you had a rough week and we we check out our teams once a week and we take a look and go let's let somebody else do that job you, you need to be doing something else for a while because mm -hmm. it's taking its toll we see your old patterns coming up, and we know you're hurting. And why don't, let's take care of that for a while, and then you can go go back to it. So we evaluate all the time. Sometimes what people need is a chance to take some time off, and sometimes what they need is to redouble their efforts and not 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 slow down, not quit. That's it takes a sensitivity, and I know what you mean because you have helped me learn all about leading. It has been something that's been very challenging for me and doesn't come naturally to me. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. If our podcast has benefited you or someone you care about, please support us by giving to Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment at www.sctraumatreatment.org. Please like the Survivor's Guide to Life on Facebook, 
follow us on Instagram. You can contact us at 707-781-3335. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next time. Thank you.